Welcome to our podcast channel, brought to you by the British Chamber of Commerce in Singapore. Subscribe to our channel as we provide you with curated content and in-depth conversations by industry experts and leaders across Singapore, ASEAN and the United Kingdom. We're delighted to bring you a new five-episode podcast series called New Horizons, where together we share in-depth cross-committee conversations on coping with COVID-19's impact and what the future holds for various economies. In this episode, co-chair of our Built Environment Committee and Managing Director of Greengate Advisors, Alistair Gillies, sits down with Dr. Christine Bruckner, Director at MMOSA Associates, as they discuss mental and psychological well-being in the workplace. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, everyone. Um, welcome to this podcast series by the Built Environment, Built Environment Business Group of the British Chamber of Commerce, focusing on the, the transition back into the office arena. We all know um, the impacts and the devastation caused by COVID-19. We've seen many um, scenarios proffered on what the future state of the office may look like. But what we want to explore at the moment is you know, how we're really getting people back into the office, how they're working within this space, how they're being productive. I'm Alistair Gillies. I'm the co-chair of the Built Environment Business Group at the British Chamber of Commerce Singapore. I'm also the managing director of Greengate Advisory, um, a real estate advisory business uh, based in Singapore. Um, what we're doing is today is we're focusing on the, the psychological wellness aspect of the office and, and how the office can really work as a tool in our bag to ensure that people are feeling comfortable in the space that they're working in, um, both at the present time and certainly in the future when we've got more certainty about outcomes. And, and as such, I'm pleased to welcome our guest today, Christine Bruckner. Christine is a director at M. Moser based out of New York. She focuses an architect. She focuses on best practice, sustainability, and wellness in design. Welcome, Christine. Thank you. Nice to be here. Great. So jumping straight in, um, it's commonly accepted, I think, that there's a wide range of emotions people are feeling about getting back into the office. You know, you, you have those extroverts who are super keen to go, and you have the, the introverts who are similarly a little bit cautious. You've also got, you know, the reality that business has to continue and offices play a part in that. You know, could you give us some thoughts about, you know, how employers can balance a range of emotions um, with the physical office space to ensure that, you know, it's not only a productive space, um, but similarly a safe space for people to work in, certainly at the present time? Absolutely. In fact, this question, this core, is something that we've been directly focusing on for quite a while in terms of how we create workplaces for people, which is really almost a paradigm shift into how do you take care of people in the spaces. So you're absolutely correct that the workplace can be a tool to support the health and physical and mental well-being of the employees. So we're in a period of challenge and transition. And as we look at how the workplace can support people, we're really trying to understand where are people coming from. So the first thing we get to do is 
reach out and understand, you know, reach out to each individual, reach out to people, understand what are the specific concerns. And when we do that, we also are laying the groundwork. We're all doing the same. We have the government rec uh, recommendations. We know what's required in terms of taking temperatures and, you know, having a person in charge of, of things that might go wrong or could be protocols for hygiene. But what are the real concerns? Are they concerns about transition into the workplace, you know, the transit? Are they concerns about the number of days? Are they concerns really fearful for getting the virus or are they long-term concerns? So as you start to understand what is driving people, you know, understand the individuals, it's quite straightforward to meet their needs. And what we love about reaching out and understanding is that the more that you listen and speak, the more that you develop a culture of empowerment, the more likely that people will come back when the time is right with energy, safety, health, and positive you know, attributes. What we're looking to do in many cases is, is just simply start at the beginning. You know, and we'll go through this. I, I believe there'll be some times to speak about the whole process of how we bring people into a space. But even before they come into the space, we would want to set forth what they can expect. When you arrive, these are going to be done for you. You'll have mats and you'll have places to keep your things. You'll have a series of hygiene that will be done before you get there. But this is what it will be. The idea of restorative design is critical when you're thinking about mental and physical well-being. It's, you know, prior to COVID, one in four of us would have been recognized as having some mental challenges at some point in our lives. And now there's a stress level that's risen globally. And so as we start to recognize that, what we understand is that we need to de-stress. And so we're looking to develop environments, whether they incorporate biophilia, natural materials, certain forms, certain opportunities where you can position yourself, where you know that you will be uh, in a position to integrate properly, see people, keep your distances, and where you may have the best views, you can really get proper light, and you can rejuvenate within the space so that you're not going to be getting more stressed by being in the workplace. Let that be a place of repose, of high performance, and a place that you want to be when you need to be there. I mean, I understand we all currently in this phase, you have people who can work telecommuting, and Obviously, that's quite safe in many ways, but there are cultural reasons and for business as well that we want to come together, you know, that we want to integrate, we want to collaborate. And we've looked at a lot of different ways to do that. But when we can go back into the workplace, this is uh, going to be very meaningful and it has to be done through a proper series of preparations. Right. And, and that series of preparations is something that I actually wanted to touch on in in one of my questions, you know, we, we are living in this sort of state of flux where we have, you know, changing government advice. We've got different government advice depending on where you're geographically located. Geographically located, we've got, you know, differing and evolving World Health Organization advice with respect to the use of masks, with respect to asymptomatic people passing on the virus. You know, if you could give some advice to employers now who are worrying about, you know, their they're welcoming people back, but, you know, and they want to create the space that, you know, you touched on earlier, but similarly, you know, are aware that things might change and, and things may evolve and there may be second spikes. Um, you know, how can people think about, you know, preparing a workplace to receive people 
right now that that can still evolve you know that still has the ability to change with the dynamic circumstances we find ourselves in because i'm sure people you know they want to create a better space but simply don't want to spend huge amounts of money doing it and certainly don't want to spend huge amounts of money doing it only to find that that space doesn't fit the requirements you know as they evolve moving forward if you could share some thoughts on that that would be great Absolutely. I think what you're touching on is what we've been doing at Moser, which is beginning with re-entry and then going on to rethink. So in terms of re-entry, you have your fundamental protocols. And again, as I mentioned before, this begins with a pre-arrival orientation, with really understanding what's going to be happening, with really preparing and having all of the hygien hygienic pro uh, protocols, whether it's temperature checking and sanitizing, you know, your devices and your belongings, keeping things in a certain um, methodology, having tape lines, knowing where you're going to go. These are the current immediate solutions. But what's more important right now is how are we rethinking the workplace? What can the new, new normal, the better normal be as we go forward, where all environments truly take care of people's health? Where really you're coming in and some of the aspects are there, but the idea that the space you're in takes care of you and is critical. What we've actually noticed, if you look into some of the research, that our own health is quite determined by the, the areas that we're in. It's, it's not just the doctors that we see or how much we work out or even our genetics. The larger amount of that is the environment that we're in. And so with that much understanding the impact of the air quality, the natural environments that we're developing for rejuvenation and high productivity uh, are quite, quite critical. And I think the rethinking of how those can be is an exciting place, something that we've been looking at for a while, but now the entire world is looking at that together. And people are embracing the importance of their people, the paradigm shift to focus on empowering people, taking care of people, and really understanding what it what it takes to have a high performance workplace that takes care of all of those people at different times within the day, within their processes, within what they need to accomplish. Does that does that begin to answer some of the thoughts you were querying? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I think that's great, and I think that that you're very clear. You know, at the moment, maybe we have to have a little bit more of a functional workplace in terms of the tape and things that up yeah. but you know as people you know evolve and think about the future you know that can be something that uh, they certainly take into consideration you know on that point um you know, what about capital expenditure i'm often sort of confused or you know intrigued by the fact that you know we we do have a lot of uh, things that can be done to to make our working environments much cleaner healthier and certainly from a psychological aspect you know to support the people that's work people that are working in that yeah. but what about you know the resources that are going into this you know i'm often you know if you're a large corporate you know inevitably you may have some some flexible resources who you can push to form a committee and solve the problem you've probably got some money available to start looking at office refresh programs um you know it's sort of in your DNA already, and it doesn't take much more of an evolution to get there. However, if you're a, a small business owner with, say, 50 people working in two or three countries, you know, I, I have a feeling that the, the, the whole um, 
responsibility for this will lay on the shoulders of one or maximum two people. So, you know, for those smaller businesses and a lot of the Chamber of Commerce is the British Chamber of Commerce members do fall in with that, that category. You know, what advice would you give to them about some practical measures that can be taken, you know, right now and in the future for their workspaces? I, I appreciate that. I think you know, when we start looking, there are some technologies that can be integrated, certainly uh, recognitions and temperature scans and pieces like that, which have a variety of different pricing. But I think it is important when you break it down again into the re-entry and the rethinking of the future, that re-entry piece is a series of protocols and they're not necessarily high cost. These are things that really have to do with letting people know what's being done for them before they even get into the office, you know, upgrading some of the, the cleansing, cleaning protocols, making sure that they really, every aspect of their journey is considered, but these are not necessarily cost implications as much as process and getting a cultural buy-in that we're doing this to take care of one another, to take care of you. And maybe, you know, separating desks and, and denoting which chairs are acceptable to sit in, whether you have space to move them out and simply have the reduced numbers of chairs in, in rooms, or you are doing it through notation. But letting people know exactly where and why they can be safe. And this is something that can be done, you know, whether you're talking about the circulation route or you're talking about, you know, changing the faucet potentially to a touchless faucet. Maybe that's the kind of a small cost that one might consider or doors that open without touching. You know, if that, those may or may not be long-term solutions that you want to keep anyway. But some of the things are, are actually just more how you design the space. You know, you have a given space, particularly now in phase one, when you have people coming in at a staggered with only a third of the people in there, you can really use the space in a different way. You know, people can enjoy their desk space. They can actually find ways to sit and stand. And we're always looking for how they can move. Research has shown that up to 87% of people find that they're fully more present and more productive with that movement. And so what we're looking at is developing spaces that have almost three options within a safe environment. So whether you're in a six by six or 12 by 12 or whatever pr proportions you're using, you have some you're empowered to develop the way that you use that space, you know, and you can, there's plants nearby, there's something about it so that these are all low cost design focused solutions. As we go forward and start to utilize those and even small business owners that start to implement them, we can slowly transition workplaces at all scales and look to the future for, you know, if one is moving into a new space or doing a rethink and giving them some locations for restorative Piece. And in the past, some of those used to be amenities. Maybe one would go to a wellness room that you could use for a period of time. That may still be the future. But maybe there's something about different areas having multiple versions of that, right? So that you could have a place to meditate or relax or have a view, breathe, and just realize that you have time to de-stress and then get back to what you need to do, what you want to be doing, being at high performance. So I believe that when you really integrate design with consideration, nurturing, and caring for mental and physical well-being, it's not a matter of cost. It's a matter of 
process and it's a matter of just getting those things right. That's not to say that we wouldn't want to implement and, and improve you know, mechanical systems, there's possibility to increase air changes, to increase filtration. These are things that we're doing for you know, many offices globally. But there may be some solutions where certainly by reducing the number of people, you've automatically increased your air quality and air, air change. So there are a lot of different ways to, to make these changes. And as we look long-term, we may want to have a discussion of what that looks like as you take series of steps towards a newer, better future for the work environment for people. Sure, and presumably then, you know, with, with an ability to, to have better air quality, you know, an ability to move around a little bit more, all of these things are contributing towards people's mental health, well-being, yes. and, and, and in turn, you know, increasing, raising productivity levels within the, the workspace itself. Absolutely. And, you know, even finding ways to communicate with keeping those social distances so that there's still a brainstorming, there's still collaboration, still a culture of caring and uh, sharing best ideas. So that, you're, you know, you're not, you're also working on the psychological side of, of loneliness or, you know, invisibility or, or whatever has been going on in these periods that we've been distant from one another. You're using the technologies that we all have at our fingertips and letting people really know they belong. And some of this is also done by culture. So does again, it doesn't matter on the size. It matters on the, the intention, the heart of the company. Are you reaching out to people and giving them an opportunity to, to touch base? You know, when we can't have as many events or social gatherings, it's that much more important to share stories, to, to make sure that we're growing together in the, de the design and in the direction that the company wants to be going as a culture and that people feel part of that. I feel cared for it, they're going to give back so much more just instinctively and just from their capability. Because when you're sitting in a, in a situation of fear, you know, fear can be quite difficult to, to manage for people. But if you get into a period, a location of gratitude, of involvement, of empowerment, that those aspects, it's very difficult to have all of those thoughts at the same time. The fear will dissipate. And then you'll start to see that this environment, this work environment serves you and it's actually taking care of you. And you keep reminding yourself through communications, through the culture, what would happen if there were somebody to be sick or if I needed help. Those are all really clear. Then you have even more confidence that you can relax and get your work done where you need to be. It's a very integrated approach using inter physical design, understanding the way that people are working using very good hygienic protocols fundamentally empower people in many different ways. Yeah, that's the great, great. So you're certainly a proponent of the, the office uh, is not dead and, and, you know, there's, there's life in it yet, you know, great to hear some thoughts about that. Um, one of the things that I'm quite interested in, and, and it's not so much from a design perspective, but, but will reflect on sort of how people are working in and using the space is, is what happens, you know, a few steps down the line when um, people do develop an immunity, either through vaccination or through antibodies in their system, and you move into that position where there are some people who are, are no longer at risk within the business, and there are other people who are at risk, um, and certainly within different risk categories that we all know about, you know, 
from an employee um, employer perspective, from a design perspective, is there anything that you, we can do to stop us getting into a two tier system and us versus them? Because quite understandably, I think, you know, people probably wouldn't want to be wearing masks in the office. People would want to be sitting, you know, wherever they like if they're if they're safe. And, you know, presumably they should be able to do that. But then you do, you know, risk creating this sort of issue where people are still under a regime of safety. You know, can we can we we as employers do anything to think about um, that? I think that's quite interesting and difficult. Any kind of a two-tiered system, it's hard to imagine how that is part of a cohesive cultural solution. If you can have things more holistic, it's going to, to serve. But as always, you do want to empower people and you also want to help take care of people. So if there are certain people who feel that they're more at risk, you know, maybe there's ways to develop a system where they can travel at different times. They can work perhaps a different number of days in the office on different days. And they continue to maintain whatever they feel is the safest way that they can work without, you know, sort of being the only person <laughs> in an environment. Um, because ultimately we will be getting back into offices. Everybody will be back. There will be vaccines. And this will be something of the past, but what will come from it will be a new and better normal of creating this new paradigm focused on people. And I think we do have an opportunity to really put that value back into physical and mental health right now, because it's so predominant. Everybody can understand it. We can all give it the value it deserves and the value it deserves in design and by organizational culture. And those two come together. As you started the conversation, the workplace truly is a tool and it's a tool for creating high performance spaces which keep people healthy and involved and excited and that includes their physical well-being and their mental well-being absolutely yeah. and it all seems to be very circular as well you know increased engagement you know yes. in better office spaces increased productivity you know people are happier businesses are happier they can invest more absolutely. into this you know it, it, it all seems to be a sort of win-win situation which is actually quite nice as a positive coming out of you know the, the last few months for sure okay look we're, we're we're getting towards the end of our time now um but you know just as a sort of a closing piece yeah you know, what advice would you give to someone who's who's struggling to really know what to do from a strategy perspective they've got this whole range of options in front of them you know they they let's say have three years left on their lease and and you know, but they need to do things right now um, to make things better. You know, they know they have to do in the future, but but what advice would you give to those people right now about what they can do in their workspaces? Well, again, I would start with communication, you know, making sure that they have that, develop a plan that they share ahead of time before people are really going back. You really encourage them to, to start with the basics, right? Can you get a mat? Can you give people some sense that whatever's outside is staying outside and that this can be a place of repose so that you have mats, you have hygiene, you have places to keep 
outerwear, you have a change in how you maybe use your pantries and your conference rooms, just clearly delineating how you're doing these things for their safety and really start at that level. The touchless doors and faucets, if you can go that far, the circulation routes, the addition of some greenery, if there's ways to increase the air quality filtration, you know, taking those steps, continuing on, looking at the whole picture and then working through it, you know, what can you do with phase one and how far can you go right now today to make your space healthier and safer and more um, of an environment that you want to create. Um, then, you know, see where it brings you. And I would also say incorporate people in the discussions, you know, not just tell them this is what we're going to do and so it shall be, but really the engagement process. What can be gifted to them, these protocols, which are coming again from the government, from best practices, those are straightforward and people really just want to see that you're meeting them. But what could be done beyond that? That's where there's some back and forth and discussion, you know, whether what does the staggered day look like? Is it that different people are coming on different days or people are coming at different times? You know, are we coming much earlier so we can avoid the traffic? And how are we even getting to work? Because that may be the biggest concern right now. And how, how can we connect to the other offices that may be in different countries that we used to visit all the time and work together, but now we can't see them? How can we create some digital collectivity together? So there are many different ways that we're implementing in this as you re-enter the workplace and as you rethink where you can go. And again, I would just start at the beginning, start with that plan and go through those re-entry processes and, and you know, taking it very seriously, but also looking for the positives that can come. How are we nurturing each other through this time? How are we supporting each other? You know, what's going on through the grief, through the challenge, through the opportunity? That's that's the opportunity that we have right now. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Christine. Um, really appreciate your time. Uh, yeah, okay, I think that brings us to a close. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can share our podcasts and tag us in with the hashtag BritJamSG on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. For more information on the British Chamber of Commerce in Singapore, please visit www.britcham.org.sg or should you wish to get involved with our podcasts, please feel free to contact us at info at